0: Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit HelloFreedomChurch.com. I do hope that you had an amazing Christmas this past week. I know me and my family did. We enjoyed spending time with family and all of the excitement and the craziness was all good. And if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been in a, a Christmas series called Modern Day Manger, and today we'll wrap up that series, and Pastor Nathan will kick off a new one in the new year next week, next year, and he, Pastor Nathan is actually in Crookston this morning with Pastor Joel, and Pastor Joel is preaching there live, so now yeah, you're, really, you're really considering what service you want to be at now. Well, Crookston doesn't start till 10 o'clock, so you actually have some time if you want to make it over there to hear Pastor Joel. <laughs> uh, but it's good to be with you. My name is Jared, one of the pastors here at Freedom Church. And like I said, we're wrapping up this, this series. And as I, you know, I, I like to be reflective. You know, New Year's Eve today, and it's a great opportunity to reflect on the year that we just did, and obviously to look forward to the new year. A lot of people do New Year's resolutions, and, you know, I don't. you don't have to necessarily wait for New Year's to make a resolution, uh, but if you haven't, it is it's a good time to maybe examine and to think through some things. And, but as I look back on this year and, you know, as I look forward to the, the year to come, you know, it always strikes me how, much, how many things in life are out of our control, right? I mean, how, how much of our life is just out of our control, out of our hands? And I was just reminded of that this morning at like 2 o'clock a.m. when uh, a car across the street, the car alarm went off just realizing how much is out of my control. And for the whole hour and a half that it was going off and on, <laughs> just was ever more reminded <laughs> inside or outside of the house. But there are things that are out of our control. And as I was thinking about the Christmas story and different, just the different things that happened in the Christmas story, you know, I was just really wrestling maybe with how much seemed like just happened to the people. You know, I like, I like to think of the year ahead and like, you know, what, what, can, what can I do to maybe to see some of the things that happen in the Bible, but I mean, what are you going to do ha- to, to make sure an angel appears to you this year? You know, Mary and Joseph had angels appear to them. You know, or what are you going to do to make sure you see a, a bright northern star this year hovering over where you need to be like the wise men? You know just all sorts of things, even the shepherds, angelic visitations, you know I just think so much of so much of the stuff that happened was kind of out of their control. It was something that just God did, and I was kind of wrestling with that this week, like, man what do i what do I bring to the people? you know if it, if an angel shows up to you, then come talk to me then then we'll see what to do. but how do you get something like that to happen and obviously we we can't because a lot of it's on on god's terms but I was thinking more about those stories, and I was thinking, you know, God was showing me there are some things that that they did. There are some things that are in our control. You know, life is a mixture of things that we do control and things that we can't control. And they are very unique things, very different things. But when we experience life, it's really hard to find the border. It's really kind of hard to find as you experience life when our control starts and when it ends. It all kind of mushes together, doesn't it? It's kind of like making bread which I have zero experience in. But I live with someone, my wife, who does make bread. <laughs> and bread is, bread is a mixture of mainly two things, flour and water. You know, there's yeast and salt in there that have an important role, but the main you know, volume of ingredients is, is flour and water. And on their own, they're very unique things. I mean, you're not gonna mistake flour for water. You know, And no one really eats flour by itself. No one puts peanut butter on water. (laughs) But when you put them together and you do what you need to do to make bread, you take a bite of bread, you don't really know where the flour started or where the water ended. It just all kind of comes together in something that's edible, something you can eat. And I think life is kind of like that. There's what God does and there's what we do. And they're very different. They're very unique. Separately, you can tell them apart. But when you experience life, it's like you don't know where your control starts and where it ends. As we experience life, it's like that bite of bread, that they just come together. But the truth remains that if the the product you're experiencing isn't good, maybe to change a little bit of things. Maybe add more water in your life. Maybe more trust, more dependence on what God is doing. Or maybe add a little less water, meaning maybe there's some things that God has put in your court to do that you haven't done yet. And the Christmas story, all these different characters, is a mixture of what God was doing and then what the people did to see what God was doing come to pass. They were stewarding what God was doing, what God had started. And just like you don't like to eat flour on its own, God doesn't do things without human agents. God doesn't do things without our cooperation. And just like water by itself, I suppose this is where the analogy breaks down because you actually do drink water by itself, (laughs) But if we leave the analogy for a moment, what we do on our own doesn't amount to anything. It doesn't amount to anything. It doesn't sustain anything. And that's where we need to give our plans over to the Lord. And so today, as we look forward to the new year, as we talk about this Christmas story, we're just going to talk about just the things that God does, but also the things that that we do that can really help us move forward toward the Lord. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to start in Romans, actually. So you can pull that out, Romans chapter 8. We're going we're gonna to leave the Christmas story for a little bit and talk about some concepts, and then we're going to re-enter the Christmas story and then see how it applies in the different events of the Christmas story. So Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Pretty straightforward verses, but I think it really applies to what we're talking about today. It'll be on your screen as well. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Again, a pretty straightforward passage, but I want to unpack some things. So it talks about the flesh and the spirit. And so simply, the flesh is just our natural desires. The things that we have because we're fallen humans. The things that the flesh likes to do or think about, the things that the flesh conjures up are things like anger, revenge, uh, lust. wrote down some other things. Self, just self in general. Think about self, self-centeredness, pride. Money, power, pity, all these kind of things just come from our flesh. You don't need to be a certain uh, nationality, ethnicity. You don't need to be anything to have these things because it's just part of fallen humanity. Those things that just come up in us. And so to set the mind on the flesh is, just, is to think about those things. Is to be preoccupied with those things. But to set the mind on the spirit, the spirit is the, the part of us. It's just the way God does things. It's God's way. And so really the opposite of all those things. Love, joy, peace, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. Patience, forgiveness, purity, selflessness, patience, all these things. Faith, the power of God, all these things. To set the mind of the Spirit is like to set the mind of how God does things, what God has said. And so they're contrasted. You can't really do both at the same time. In any given moment, you're either fleshly focused or you're focused on the Spirit. And when it says to set your mind on the flesh or set your mind on the Spirit, to set your mind on something is like to pursue something or to focus on it or to be preoccupied with it. Sometimes we are unintentionally setting our minds on things. We don't even know what we're setting our minds on, but the reality is what we focus on, what we pursue is really what we're setting our mind on it. I might give you a multiple choice test to say, you know, what's what's better to set your mind on? The flesh or the spirit? I bet we all would say spirit. But just because we know that's the right answer doesn't mean that when we leave these doors, that's what we set our mind on. doesn't mean that's what we actually do. You know, any given situation can determine what we are setting our mind on, what we're pursuing or focusing in on. And I love because these two passages, it's pretty straightforward. Set your mind on the flesh, verse 6 says, is death. But to set the mind or to pursue to focus on the spirit or on God is life and peace. It seems pretty straightforward, but it also leaves out a lot. Like, when? How long will it take? What will it look like? How will I know when I have it? This is the closest the Bible comes to a formula, and it's still not a formula. (laughs) You set your mind on the flesh's death. What is is death? What does it look like? When when will I know it'll come? How how long do I have until I stop? Or you set your mind on the Spirit, you'll get life and peace. How long will that take? When will I know it's here? It's not a formula. You can't add up everything, and this is what exactly it's going to look like. But it says this is what you can expect. And how many of us want 2024 to be filled with life and peace? Amen? Life and peace. That's right. But it's not a formula. It's kind of like fishing. (laughs) How many of you have ever fished? Okay. Uh, Fishing is not a formula. (laughs) But you can be a better or worse fisherman. (laughs) It's not a formula. But every time you go out fishing, you go out knowing what you want to catch. You know, you might not know all the different kinds of fish. You might not know a walleye from a northern, from a bluegill, from a bass. But you will know a fish from a tire. <laughs> you know, everyone goes out fishing knows what they want to catch, but they also know what they don't want to catch. And so when you go out fishing, you need to have a lot of things ready. You know, there are certain lures you can get to, to attract a certain type of fish that you want, certain kinds of bait, certain kinds of rods and reels, certain kinds of boats certain kinds of vests, certain kinds of time of day. There's a lot of factors, but the biggest factor, I would say, in fishing is knowing where the fish are, right? If you go fishing, the most important piece of information is where that type of fish are located. You know, I grew up in South Dakota. I actually grew up on a lake, which is, it's actually quite sad how little fishing I did, I did other water things like tubing and skiing and stuff, but for living on a lake, I actually did a lot, didn't do a lot of fishing. But, you know, around those parts, the big talk in the summers was, you know, where are the fish are? Where are the honey holes? Where are the hot spots where all these fish are gathered? And what lakes? There's a lot of different lakes to choose from. So when people would gather at the, even our family owned a steakhouse growing up, when people would gather at the steakhouse or at the bait shops or the gas station, they'd all talk, you know, where are you catching the fish? Where are you catching the fish? I caught some fish over here. Northerns are really biting over here. The walleyes are over here. And then you try to find where the fish are. Because you could have everything right, but if you don't fish in the right spot, you're not going to catch anything. And actually, some of the best fishermen, actually—they they actually lie. They don't tell you where the fish are. <laughs> no fisherman's going to tell you where they're catching fish. But anyway, because if you don't fish in the right spot, you're not going to catch what you want to catch. And even though you can do all these things, it's still not a formula. Because how many of you have gone fishing and just felt a tug, and felt something on the line and reeled in seaweed. I've done that more times than I can count. If you wanna catch seaweed, go where the seaweed's growing. <laughs> if you wanna catch fish, go where the fish are. If you wanna catch bluegills off of our, my family's dock on, the, on Enemy Swim Lake in South Dakota, it's a great place. And there's also some good places where the seaweed is, you can literally see it poking out. And the same is true with our walk. I mean, where are you fishing? I mean, you can do all other things, right? You can have the right translation of the Bible. Not that I think there's like one super right one. You can go to the right denomination. You can do all these things. You can talk the talk. But at the end of the day, are you fishing where life in peace is? At the end of the day, are you fishing where God is? Or are you fishing, are you setting your mind on the weeds? And let me tell you a great tip to how to know. What have you reeled in? What have you reeled in? What is in your life? You might not know where God is, all these things, but let me ask you, what is actually in your hand? Are you fishing where life and peace is, or are you fishing where the weeds are, where the flesh is? And just like you don't really know what you're going to reel in when you cast, it's not a formula, but you can know generally where you're fishing at and where you're not And the point of today's message is for us in 2024 and really every day, every year, to position ourselves where God is, is to position ourselves where Jesus Christ is. Is he there or is he not? Is he in that thought or is he not? Is he in that plan or is he not? Is he in that thing or is he not? And our job today is, again, not to figure out every jot and tittle, everything that Every detail, but just so. where are we fishing? Where are we setting our mind? And so I'd like to return to some of these Christmas stories and to see how different groups of people positioned themselves to be where Jesus was and how they looked very different. And so we're going to start with the wise men or called the magi. Typically, in nativity sets, there's three wise men, but that does isn't necessarily the case. There could be more than three. We're not really told how many. And the Magi were really, 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 really important, powerful, influential, wealthy people. And so we see them. If you want to turn to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, we'll see a little bit of their description. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, or magi, from the east, remember that, came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. These magi came, it says, from the east. Now there's different you know, scholarly debates on where this from, maybe Babylon or Persia. But my point is, they weren't from Jerusalem. They weren't from Israel. And so estimates of how long it took them to travel, anyway, from 40 days, even up to a year or more. I mean, I, f- I feel like a three-hour car trip with kids is a long trip. Like, can you imagine 40 days, a year, planning a year trip or more? That's a long ways. That's a long time. And a lot of scholars think that these people didn't travel alone. I mean, they were influential and wealthy enough where they traveled with a whole group, a whole caravan, upwards, maybe even of hundreds of other people with them. Soldiers, other dignitaries, servants, things. They probably didn't ride on donkeys, they were probably carried on poles with the with the seat and all that. So you're picturing this massive caravan, massive amount of people traveling for upwards of a year or more to see this king that was born. And so you can't control when the stars shine brightly, can you? You can't control when the star rises. There are things that God can control in your life, just like for the Magi. They couldn't control the stars and what they did, but they could control if they were going to follow it or not. And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of things in our life that when God illuminates or reveals, we know it's a long journey. There are some things that God reveals and we know it's going to take a long time to get there. So to position ourselves where Jesus is in some areas of our life, when God starts knocking on the door of our heart, we know I got to be in this for the long haul. And I think that's what the Magi faced. There's different talk on how they knew the star was important. You know, Daniel could have been a part of that. Regardless of how they knew it was important, they had to face, okay, are we packing a lunch? Or are we bringing the whole fridge? (laughs) And I think they they had to really decide, are we in this? Do we really believe this? Are we really going to uproot and take a whole couple weeks or months or a year, one way to do this thing? And they did. I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure it was sweaty and hot, full of sand. You know, that's gross. That's just a gross combination. You're sweaty, sand. But they did. And I think if we get really specific, Let the Lord knock on something in your life that you know is a long way from Jesus. This is a long way from God. And maybe in 2024, God wants you to begin a journey that he knows will take you a long time. Maybe it's in the area of of forgiveness. Maybe it's just in the area of general hopefulness. Maybe it's in the area of purity. Maybe it's in the area of your marriage or your kids, Maybe there's something in life that God knows you're a long way from. But you know what? Just like the Magi were a long ways away, I believe that God has given you everything you need for the journey. He won't start you on a journey only to leave you halfway out of provision. And you know when the Magi got to Jesus, they gave him some of the best gifts. And rather than feeling shame that there's areas of our life that's a long way from Jesus, how about we think when we get To Jesus, man, I think that's some of the best gifts you can give God. You say, God, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, no matter what it takes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on this area of my life. And I'm gonna get there. You know, I believe that blesses God. Other areas, I think of the areas of recovery. Maybe there's addictions in your life. You say, you know what? That's a long way from God, and I don't know how to get there. Maybe it won't take weeks or months. You know We have a great ministry here at Freedom Church called Celebrate Recovery that meets every Tuesday night at 6.30. And if you're in that place, you say, I just need support, I need community, man, I would really encourage you to check them out. They give out medallions for like a month of sobriety, two months, three, every month, a year. I mean, they're in it for the long haul. And I just think if you're in that place, Celebrate Recovery is a great option for you. But whatever you're going through in life, let's take a hint from the wise men not to travel alone. Let's bring somebody in that journey. Say, I want to position myself for life and peace, and where life and peace is is where Jesus is. That's where life and peace is for me. And I say, be bold, step out, bring some people with you, and say, I'm going to make a long journey for Jesus. Let's look at another. Oh, wait, I want to read verses 10 through 12 on that as well. So the Magi, again, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Their proximity to Jesus just brought them cool stuff. He, God warned them in a dream. And they worshipped the child. Well, let's look at the next, next group of people, the shepherds. Let's, let's move on from Matthew to, to Luke. So jump a couple Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Now, the shepherds have a very different story, a very different journey. And let's, let's read about that. Luke 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So notice the biggest difference from the Magi, for our purposes, I mean, obviously they weren't influential or wealthy or political leaders, but notice in verse 8 it says, and in the same region an angel appeared. So they are close to Bethlehem where Mary and Joseph were with baby Jesus. So why do the angels appear to them? Because they're close. They're right there. And that can be true for so many of us as well. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe your parents were believers. Maybe you have Christian friends. You're around it. But you know what? The angels didn't come to the shepherds and say, you're really close. They said, there is a child, a specific child in Bethlehem. And I want you to go see it. And so this other group of people were close, but they didn't make it their own. And for some of you, like I said, maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've been around this. Maybe you go to church a lot. But God doesn't look at proximity And maybe there's things that God is speaking to you and say, it's time to commit to. It's time to actually make your own. You can't ride on the coattails of your parents' faith. You can't ride on the coattails of your friends' faith. It's time for you to make it your own. It's time for you to decide who Jesus is to you and to commit and to make that step. To go find the Lord and Savior for your own life. And not be happy with just close enough. Not be happy with it's around me. I hear it on the radio. But I believe God is calling some of you to say, I want you. And just like he told the shepherds who were close, who were in the vicinity. And you know what? It wasn't really their doing. They didn't control that. They didn't control that they were Bethlehem shepherds. They didn't control that an angel appeared to them. And sometimes we just get, I don't know what to (laughs) use this word badly, but we just get lucky. Fortunate, we should say. Blessed. That there are things around us that we didn't control. We didn't ask to have godly parents. We didn't ask to to stumble upon church. We didn't ask to, to have a dorm mate who was a Christian. We didn't ask to do that. We didn't know that. But God utilizes that. If you're close, he'll say, I want you. And to commit to the Lord. I believe that's some of you today. In that same chapter, let's look at verses 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went, check this out, with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. It doesn't say it took them a long time. It probably didn't take them a long time. Maybe it took them a couple hours. And maybe you're close. Maybe a decision that you need to make is right there at your fingertips. It won't take you a long journey, but it still needs to be made. And take a hint from the shepherds. Make it with haste. Do it now. Say yes to Jesus today, right now. Say yes to him. Yes, Lord. And see the life and peace that God has for you, waiting for you, like the shepherds did. So again, our life is a mixture of things that we can't control but yet things that we can control. And when there are things in our life that we can control, that God is putting it in our court to say, I want you to respond. I want you to act. I want you to to step out and to pursue me. It's on us to do that. If the Magi wouldn't have left, they would have never arrived. If the shepherds would have never left, they would have never arrived either. But I want to talk about a third group of people that others of us might relate to. And what's the common thread with the Magi and the shepherds besides Jesus? What's the common thread with the Magi and the shepherds is Mary and Joseph. You see, those individuals couldn't come to Jesus without coming to Mary and Joseph. Because Mary and Joseph were holding Jesus. Jesus was with them. And Mary and Joseph didn't have to make any travel. I mean, Jesus was literally born in their laps. But this group of people... God uses to connect other people with Jesus. And if you're a believer in this place, if you're a Christian, that's you. Other people may need to find you to find Jesus. Other people may need to connect with you, may need to talk with you to find the Jesus that lives with you. And I think if you're a believer in this place, maybe you don't relate to the other two categories, I think you can relate to this one. And maybe this year for you is growing in your ability or your desire to help connect other people with Jesus. I mean, what if Mary and Joseph would have put a do not disturb sign on the door and the magi came knocking, go away. You know, we're sleeping, we're busy. I don't know if the shepherds came in a suitable time. Maybe they had to wake up baby Jesus to see the shepherds. But maybe for you is what, is what is God asking you to do to help connect other people with Jesus? You have something that other people need. And honestly, for me, this is convicting because a lot of times I can get comfortable, maybe even lazy, with what God has done in my life when he says, Jared, other people need that. And I'm going to bring them to you. And I want you to open your doors to them. And I want you to give them something that I've given to you. That could be helping volunteer here at church, getting a part of a connect group, leading a connect group, It could be exploring a spiritual gift that God has given you. You Maybe it's opening your home and hosting, welcoming people into into your life. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's explaining the scriptures. Like I said, leading a connect group. Maybe it's just learning how to pray for people or praying for people or whatever it might be. What has God put in you that you can help connect other people to Jesus? And maybe that's the journey God wants you on in 2024. Now, Mary wasn't responsible for an immaculate conception. God was. God did that. But for the rest of Mary's life, she had to steward what God was doing in her life and make room in her life for God's plans. I believe that's what God's calling us to, is it not? God's calling us to make room for him and to position ourselves next to Jesus, to set our minds on the Spirit. Where are we fishing? Where is our life Fishing, where are we directed toward? And I believe in 2024, again, there's no formula, but if you make intentional strides toward Jesus, I know and believe and am convinced that you will find more life and peace than you did. But if we continue to set our mind on the flesh, guess what? We will find more and more death in our life. So I'm gonna invite the band up, if you guys wanna come back. And we're gonna sing that song, that we already sang, give me Jesus. It's such a simple cry, isn't it? Give me Jesus. I don't want anyone else. I don't need anything else. And as the band leads us in this song, I just really encourage you, if, you, if, you, if your heart is bubbling up with worship, then sing, sing this song with conviction. But if God is knocking on your heart and you just got to wrestle with him, wrestle with him during this song until your heart gets to a place where you can say Yes. Yes, God, I'll step out. Don't just sing words or or do actions without having a heart that's actually receptive to the Lord. So why why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes as we head into this closing song. And I would just love to give an opportunity this morning for anybody that's really feeling like I've been around church, I've been around it like the shepherds. But, you know, I don't think I've ever really made it my own. And today I want to make it my own. Today I want to make Jesus my own. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond and say, yes, God, I hear that. And I want to make that journey to you. So you just want to raise your hand and say, that's me. I just want to make my life for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just pray for us as we go in. Father, we just praise you in this place. Thank you, God. I just think that your heart yearns for us. I just think your heart yearns for us, Lord. And Lord, your word cuts to the very depths of us. Your spirit illuminates just the very depths of us, Lord. And God, there's a wrestling in there. There's a counting the cost. But Lord, we cannot find life and peace any place but in Jesus. So fill us with your spirit, Lord. Help us to set our minds on you. And as we sing this song, Lord, may it come from just a true, authentic place in our hearts to say, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Whether I'm a year away, give me Jesus. Whether I'm right there, I need to, but I still need to leave, give me Jesus. We give it all to you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.